Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pages of HR. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast provides insightful conversations about HR-related books with the writers who create them. By the end of these conversations, we hope that you'll have actionable insights for your business, best practices to tap, and new information to ponder. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Carolyn Stern, President and CEO of EI Experience, an executive leadership development and emotional intelligence training firm. Carolyn is a certified emotional intelligence and leadership development expert, professional speaker, and university professor whose emotional intelligence courses and models have been adopted by top universities in North America. She's also the author of The Emotionally Strong Leader, An Inside-Out Journey to Transformational Leadership. This book provides managers and their teams with self-coaching tools that allow them to grow their emotional intelligence on their own. You don't have to wait too much longer for this incredible book. Uh, The debut uh, dropping date for Canada is September 13th, and in the United States, you can certainly get it on October 4th. Carolyn, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bianca. I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell me what inspired you to write this timely book. Well, I'm, to be honest, uh, Bianca, I was sick and tired of, you know, listening to successful leaders tell me that showing their feelings um, and, sh- and expressing how they feel was a, something that they should be ashamed of or was a, a form of weakness. And to me, you can be emotional and strong, right? They're not mutually exclusive. So being emotional is really someone who feels deeply about things and has strong reactions. The book talks about how to learn to be in the driver's seat of our emotions. And trust me, as as a university professor who's been doing this for 25 years, I know we're not teaching this in schools. We're not teaching students an emotional education. Much ado has been made about IQ, right? Your cognitive intelligence, your traditional intelligence. And very little has has been, or often EQ, which is emotional intelligence, is often ignored. Wow. I love that. And of course, I I feel like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, not Carolyn, but I feel like COVID has really just blown up so many things and emotional intelligence is one of them, especially in the workplace. Yes, absolutely. So when I first started my business, EI Experience in 2017, I had to convince people what, um, first of all, I had to explain to them what emotional intelligence training was, and then I had to convince them that they needed it. Now, our phone is ringing off the hook because what the pandemic did was it made people realize that we are emotional creatures and our emotions erupted from underneath the surface when, when, when the pandemic hit. And leaders are now realizing I need to learn how to tend to the emotions of my employees in the workplace. And so now when, we, when the phone rings, not only do we, uh, is the phone ringing off the hook, but people are saying, I need this and I need this now. And so they know that their leaders aren't upskilled um, in this skill. And none of us, let, let's be honest, Bianca, I don't know about you, but I didn't have emotionally superb role models. Um, my, I didn't learn any of this in schools. And so it's been the school of life that's had to teach us some of these valuable lessons, like how do I set up a boundary or how do I control my impulses or how do I not let my emotions cloud my objectivity? But unless we teach people the skills on how to do that, to be bigger and smarter than your emotions and stronger 
than your emotions. You know, your emotions can take over. And the reason I called the book The Emotionally Strong Leader, again, most people would think that those terms are contradictory. But I'm not talking about stronger than your emotions, like strong arming your feelings or having a steely resolve not to feel. What I'm talking about is simply learning to work to acknowledge, understand, accept that you feel things and that you identify that your feelings contain incredible wisdom and that you can use that information to guide your behaviors when confronted with emotional triggers that drive whether it's hasty reactions or undisciplined behavior. Yes. Wow. Carolyn, I've got chills right now because <laughs> we're talking my gym in so many ways. <laughs> and as a person who I, I, I admit I was a person who, while I'm, I've always been very much so emotional, you know, I thought it was weakness to be emotional, to show emotion, to talk about emotion, you know, to feel emotion. And now I'm finding that there's strength in emotion, there's strength in vulnerability. I grew up very much like you, and it's actually in my book. I talk about that, you know, as a child, I was taught that children should be seen and not heard. And and for years, I stuffed my emotions down. In fact, I ate about them. Writing this book has helped me lose 125 pounds. So in addition to to learning about what I was feeling and what was those feelings telling me about me, that provided me incredible insights on how to behave so that I wasn't just eating my feelings. I was, I was thinking about them, feeling about feeling them, trying to figure out where they came from and why they were there. I love that. I love that. Oh, okay. Now I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm really excited here. And you prepared an excerpt, correct? Yes, I'm happy to read a little bit from the introduction. Um, So it starts off by saying, many people see the words emotional and strong as contradictory terms that do not belong together when describing the kind of leaders who can transform their own lives, the lives of their colleagues, and the future of their business for the better. After all, how can anything to do with with feelings be the key to unlocking personal and collective success? Well, it's essential to learn how to be in the driver's seat of your feelings and understand how to lead with a strong mind and a kind heart while using a set of clear, simple, and tested skills and strategies. Doing so will allow you to connect more authentically and communicate more effectively with your coworkers and teams. This kind of connection and communication will create an environment of trust and belonging that will spur ingenuity, spike curiosity, and engender fraternity among your team members. And that is what leading with emotional intelligence looks like. Through embracing emotional self-awareness and empathy, by acknowledging your feelings and those of your coworkers, you can drive exceptional results. But unfortunately, too many leaders choose another path, one that achieves their emotions and those of their employees as bothersome or unimportant to the task at hand. This limited and damaging viewpoint tends to make people feel as though they are simply task managing machines and not the terrific complex individuals full of energy, passion, and unlimited potential. Let's face it, we all have feelings. Emotions make us human and are the universal language we can all relate to and understand, no matter how diverse, dispersed, and digital we are across the globe. And they are with us all the time, especially in the workplace. But many of us go through life pretending not to have them. Why? Simply put, because we're scared of emotions. And the hard truth is emotions can be messy, annoying, and confusing. And yes, some emotions can be challenging to handle. 
Therefore, many of us choose to numb, ignore, and distract ourselves to avoid experiencing our feelings. Emotions can carry a lot of power over us despite our best efforts to steer clear of them. Even though we may intuitively know emotions needed out, we still try to stuff them down, but they wiggle their way into our psyche at the most inopportune times, making us feel like we are inadvertently airing our dirty laundry for all to see. We are culturally adverse toward being emotional, or at the very least, we dislike appearing emotional. This attitude about our feelings has been passed down by our parents, teachers, and role models. For most of us, we have been led to believe that being emotional is a weakness and that showing our emotions should cause should be a cause for shame. Because emotions have been given this bad reputation, we suppress them. But neglected feelings can make us do and say things we regret, regret later. When we get angry, hurt, or defensive and respond in a matter that is blown out of proportion or may be viewed as irrational by others, our reaction has everything to do with our unresolved feelings and very little to do with the current moment. And then later on in the book, I just say, Instead of spending time or money on dealing with inappropriate behaviors or disrespectful communications stemming from the emotional issues in the workplace, you can get to the heart of the issues and deal with your feelings and the feelings with your, of your people head on. You can gain emotional skills and mental strategies to be stronger and more intelligent than your feelings and to help others learn to explore their emotions. I love that. There is... <laughs> So much in there. You mentioned being in the driver's seat of your emotions, uh, leading with um, a kind heart, you know, mm-hmm. having a strong mind. Those are not words that are typically heard in the workplace, especially as a leader or quite frankly, just as a teammate or a peer. Mm-hmm. You said something also that was amazing, um, but basically it was about uh, changing the lens changing yeah. the way that you view things. And that is where it, it starts, I think, right, uh, to becoming better, to becoming emotionally strong, to being, of course, you know, a better person with yourself, emotionally intelligent and strong, uh, but also as a leader, they go hand in hand. And, and that's what the whole book's about, is turning leadership on its head. It's time to knock down uh, the stigma that's sharing our emotions and being honest about how we're feeling is a sign of weakness, right? It's time for our corporate world to stop encouraging people to stuff down their feelings. Um, it's time to make friends with our feelings. Because if we're not so scared of our emotions and we, again, look for the information they provide, we can change how we connect, communicate, and lead. And so I think that the key is, is to figure out what you're feeling. So right now, Bianca, in this moment, what are you feeling? One word, emotion word. Happy. Happy. Okay. What is happy? What does that emotion word happy tell you about you right now? I love conversation and I like talking about things that quite frankly, move me forward. And whatever that is, however that is, especially expressed through dialogue and communication, connection, that's my jam right there. I love that. Yeah. And when a leader chooses to discuss not only what they're feeling, no longer are people just solely experiencing us through our outer behavior, right? They're generally experiencing us through a deeper connection, which is what's underneath the surface. And when you have that genuine connection, 
Others feel, feel seen and heard. You feel cared for and valued. And in a work setting, that's going to affect your dedication, engagement, and fulfillment. So you got to get to the heart of these issues. And so for every meeting that I run in my business, I start with a one-word feeling. I ask everyone on my team, what are they feeling? If anyone says anything that's alarming, like I feel I'm overwhelmed or I'm stressed, I might have an outside, like a, a, an offline conversation with them to say, hey, what, what what's going on? How can I support you? But how people feel at work affects how they perform at work. And so we need to get to the heart of what people are feeling because it's going to affect their performance. Emotions affect their creativity. Emotions affect their memory. Emotions affect their decision-making. Emotions affect their relationships. It affects so many things, yet if we're not allowed to talk about it at work and we have to smile at our desks and cry in the bathroom, right? We're just, we're not being who we truly are, which is incredibly resilient and incredibly remarkable and incredibly complicated. Yes. I love that. I love all those things. Okay. So the Emotionally Strong Leader, it provides a six-step process to help uh, the readers identify this specific emotional skills that most impact their careers, uncover barriers to growth, set goals, and tap into the motivation to change as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. So there's six steps. The first is connect with yourself. And this is where I get readers to take a good hard look in the mirror and create an inventory of their existing strengths and areas of development. So I get you to ask yourself some questions in, in the five areas of emotional intelligence. Things like, am I aware of how I'm feeling at any given moment? Or do I stand up for myself? Or am I able to put myself in other people's shoes? That's the first step. Take an inventory. The second step is consult with others. This is where, listen, our self-perception is inevitably flawed, right? The way we see ourselves might not be how others see us, right? What you think is a strength, others might see as your liability. What you see as a liability, others might think is your genius. And so what then I get you to do is ask some trusted advisors or some friends do, you know, do you think I care too much about what others think? You know, do you think I manage my stress accurately? And do you think I can control my impulses? From there, step three is clarifying your focus, which is once you take your self-perception and what others see you, what do you really want to focus on? What's the EI gap, the emotional intelligence gap in you? And what is that costing you? And then the step four is consider possibilities and barriers. What's going to get, what are some of the brainstorm as many options as possible on how am I going to become the emotionally intelligent leader that I want to be, but what's also going to get in my way? What are the barriers, the roadblocks that are going to impede my success? The fifth step is create an action plan. And in that action plan, what we do in the book or what I do in the book is I, I teach readers what is a relapse prevention plan? So let's say, you know, we all have goals and we can set goals, but what if we relapse? I mean, let's be honest, Bianca, we've been doing this our whole lives. These behaviors are just going to change overnight. So you're going to have two steps forward and one step back. And so what I always like to do is when you're strong and thinking of a plan, what are you going to do if you have hiccups along the way? How are you going to get yourself back on track to continue moving forward? And then finally, the last step, which is confirm commitment and close your conversation, is really about establishing accountability for your goals. So you're going to 
find a competency advisor, a skills advisor, someone who has what you want. In my company, that's Natalie. Natalie's my business development manager who's half my age, but she's my independence advisor. So when I'm struggling with caring too much about what people think, I pick up the phone and call Natalie and say, Natalie, I care so much about what people think in this moment. Help me, walk me off the ledge. Help me, how do I, how do I not care as much? So she's my support. And then you close the conversation and really ask your, your advisor can help you figure out what strategies have you tried since your last goals? You know, how did it go? And by talking with your advisor, you stay accountable to the, the goals and strategies you've set in place. Absolutely. Wow. That is amazing. And through, through, throughout the six step process, what I'm hearing is accountability I'm hearing a lot about grace and self-compassion for yes. yourself. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it is about having a balance between taking a good hard look in the mirror, which can be hard, right? To face that brutal truth of how we show up, but also to have compassion for yourself. You are the way you are for a variety of reasons. So again, we're trying to change behaviors here. And this is changing habits. Think that, you know, your brain, right? It takes your, it's using, using the slower part of your brain, right? The basal ganglia that is creating, changing habits. This is going to take time. Unlike your prefrontal cortex that can read something in, a, in one minute and, you know, and, and, and can re remember it, your amygdala, which is that little piece in your brain that fires off and thinks that you're in danger, you're fighting that. So you're trying to get your prefrontal cortex to be smarter than that little amygdala that thinks you're in danger. And that's hard and it takes time, practice, repetition, feedback. And so give yourself that grace, as you said, great word, grace. Give yourself that grace to know that it's not going to be a straight line up. It's going to have some bumps in the road and how are you going to prepare for it? And that is why we create, or I created a relapse prevention plan. I love that, I love that. And so, okay, we talked about the six step process and I know the framework addresses five distinct areas of emotional intelligence. Should we delve into that now or? Yeah, let's do that. And let's, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to use you and ask you some questions and you can tell me, do I think I'm high in this area? Do I think I'm low in this area? So the five er distinct areas of emotional intelligence, they first start with self-perception. So that's how do you see yourself? So, you know, the three competencies that make up self-perception is self-regard, self-actualization and emotional self-awareness. So my question to you is how confident and self-assured are you? Are you high in that area? Are you low in that area? Or are you kind of in the middle? Now, one thing before you answer that, Bianca, you could be too much of something. You can be too confident. And, and that could be like almost narcissism and an inability to admit mistakes. So it's really about finding out, are you high, middle, low, or are you on the dark side where you're too much of something? So where do you think you land in self-regard? I am definitely not uh, the Darth Vader of self-regard, <laughs> um, but I, I do think pretty highly of myself. Uh, I am pretty confident. So I'll just say hi. Great. That's wonderful. So you've got a healthy level of self-regard. The next one, self-actualization, which is all about living a life of meaning and purpose. So are you fulfilled in your life? Are you setting and achieving goals? Again, are you high? Are you low? Now, the dark side of self-actualization is when you're never satisfied. You always want bigger, better, more. I would say I'm on the dark side there. If I were to critique myself, I, you know, I wrote a book. Now, when's the next book coming out, right? I, I'm always on to the next achievement. Where do you think you land? 
I may be on the dark side <laughs> there. I, 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 re, I recently just self-published a book myself along with the, you know, the work that I do, uh, but I'm also, I'm on to other projects. I just keep moving forward. Keep moving keep forward. Moving along. But I don't right. think it's a bad thing. Yeah. But sometimes when you don't take time to celebrate, right. And, and you're not, you're never content, right. That can be the dark side of self-actualization. The next one is emotional self-awareness. So are you aware of how you're feeling and your true and what triggers those feelings? If you're, if you're too high in emotional self-awareness, you might psychoanalyze everything and focus on insignificant details. If you're too low in self emotional self-awareness, you might not be at all aware of how you're feeling and what are your triggers. So where do you think you land there? I am definitely on the dark side there. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, I never used to be in touch with my feelings, but I've been doing a lot of self-work lately and I'm finding myself to be severely present in everything and aware of my mm. emotions and triggers mm. to the point where sometimes I am overanalyzing. Yeah. Over so, psycho so analysis is paralysis. Yeah, I get that. The second composite scale is self-expression, which is really about how do you express yourself? So those are three competencies are emotional expression, assertiveness, and independence. So here's my question to you. Do you express your feelings appropriately and constructively? So when you're angry, do you just say you're angry or do you yell and swear? <laughs> if you're too emotionally expressive, which by the way, I'm on the dark side here, sometimes I share too much. That I sh and, and I can make people feel pressured to reciprocate or uncomfortable. So my question to you are, are, do you not express your feelings at all? Or do you express your feelings too much? Or are you in the middle? Or are you a healthy level of emotional and emotional expression here? I think that I am maybe teetering on the, the dark side there. The, the next one is assertiveness. So assertiveness is saying what you need to say when you need to say it. Now, when people aren't assertive, they, they might compromise too much or not speak up. When you're too assertive, you might dominate conversations. You might intimidate people. Where do you land there? High, low, middle, or dark? Uh, I'm going to say middle. I'm, I'm in a new space of actually asserting myself because I usually just let things slide and don't want to rock the boat or cause any trouble. So I just let whatever happens happen. Okay. Okay. Great. Great awareness. The, the next one is independence, which, by the way, Bianca, is my lowest competency. So this is the one area that I really struggle with. And this is about caring too much about what people think. This is not I, I am financially independent. You know, I am not married. I, I can I can handle my myself. But this is not about that. It's not about traveling on your own. It's about being emotionally dependent. So I care too much about what people think. I need too much reassurance. That's being low on independence. High on independence is you're self-directed. You don't care too much about what people think. You don't need people's approval. But when you're too high in independence, sometimes you can uh, you can not look like not look like a team player. You don't ask um, for help. You you feel like you can only do things on your own. And so a lot of leaders struggle with that because they don't like asking for help because that they see that as a sign of weakness. Where do you stand? I think I'm in the middle. Okay. Okay, perfect. The third area of emotional intelligence is interpersonal skills. Well, this is how you interact with others, your social skills. And so that those three competencies that make up that, the three skills is interpersonal relationships. So are you good 
at building mutually satisfying relationships? Do you feel like you're good at that? If you're too good at that, sometimes you place your happiness on your friendships and that can really uh, set you off your game. When you're not good at that at all and you're low in interpersonal relationships, sometimes you don't, um, you can't build those relationships. You don't know how to build a relationship with trust and compassion. Where do you stand there? I think I'm in the middle. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. This is great. The, the next one is empathy, right? Empathy is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Now, the 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 when you're when you're high in empathy, you can understand, appreciate how other people feel. When you're low in empathy, you don't care about how other people feel. But when you have too much empathy and are on the dark side, you can get enmeshed in people's stuff. You don't set good boundaries. You might put where their emotional burdens on your shoulders. So where do you stand there? Definitely coming back from the dark side on that. Absolutely. <laughs> You're on the dark side on a few of these. This is this is good awareness. This is fantastic. Decision making. Let's talk about that, which is the fourth level. And it involves three competency, problem solving, reality testing, and impulse control. Problem solving is, are you aware of your emotional state when solving problems when making decisions or do you see black when an emotional problem comes up or do you see red right so if you're too good at problem solving sometimes you focus on the task and the result and forget the people it impacts when you're not good at all in a problem solving you might just uh like i said see red or black you don't think clearly where do you think you land there the middle okay okay Reality testing is a really interesting one. Reality testing is about being able to see things as they really are. And what's interesting about that, Bianca, is you think right now you are seeing your reality. But what if it's not? What if you're not? What if what you're seeing through your lens is being filtered, right, through your own biases, etc.? So this is about not letting your emotions cloud your objectivity or judgment. This is about you challenging your assumptions, asking questions, not just assuming what you see is real. So my question to you is, are you high? Are you low? Do you need a reality check? Do, do you live in La La Land? Or do you are you on the dark side, which is sometimes when you're so realistic, you're not very optimistic, um, you might not have a lot of empathy. Where do you think you land there? I'm going to go middle there. I'm going to go middle there. Okay. All right. The last uh, final area of emotional intelligence is stress management, and it involves flexibility, stress tolerance, and optimism. So here's my qu first question. How flexible are you? How adaptable are you? Are you someone, I, on, the, on this area, this is my dark side, I flip-flop. You know, I can't make a decision. If one employee asks me to do one thing, I do that. If another employee asks me to do another, which doesn't bring a lot of confidence. Whereas if you're so inflexible, you're very rigid and, and, and stringent. So where do you land there? Are you high, middle, low, or dark? High. Okay. Okay. So that we've just now in these few minutes taken an inventory of you. The next step would be, I want you to go find others to ask these same questions to you because what you, how you see yourself might not be how others see you. And that's the five, step, uh, five components of emotional intelligence that we talk about in, or that I talk about in the book. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure our listeners are going to, uh, excuse me, they're going to freaking love it. Just going through this process with you. Wow, you really have to be in tune with yourself and, and truly be aware and present to and honest, you know? 
that's at intervals. Yes, absolutely. You have to be honest and have compassion and know and, and really take a good, honest look in the mirror and look at the good, the bad and the ugly. And that's how we're all going to be get better. Right. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And I've got one more question for you, Carolyn. But before I get to that, is there anything else that you'd like to add or talk about? I think that really the bottom line is every business leader is unique and so is their emotional makeup. And that emotional makeup can be influenced by nature, your genetic influences, but also by nurture, your influ influential, um, your environmental influences. And so the good news is that EI can be learned, developed and enhanced. And in order to understand yourself, you really got to take a good look in the mirror and developing your EI skills is going to unlock your leadership potential. So doing so is going to enable you to realize why you act the way you do and think the way you do and allow you to channel that internal knowledge into positive conscious behaviors as opposed to negative impulsive reactions. Absolutely. Absolutely. My final question for you, Carolyn, what does your next chapter look like? Oh, great. Great question. Um, I've already got the, 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 the next step of, of uh, or the next book that I'd like to write. Um, so this book is all about taking an inside out look at yourself, right? An inside out kind of leadership. So it's about self first. My next book is going to be about how do you lead with emotional intelligence and teams. I love that. I love that. And of course, we'll certainly be on the lookout for that whenever that drops. Uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Bianca, for having me. Really appreciated being here. Absolutely. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HR Pages. And we're also now available on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time when we turn the page.